I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to examine the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together we can prepare to live outside the walls. I just returned this past week from a pilgrimage. I and 45 others from the Diocese of Tulsa uh, drove on a bus, or I guess we, we rode on the bus. We let someone else drive. Uh, rode on a bus for 23 hours straight. Just let that sink in for a moment. 23 hours on a bus with 46 people plus the two drivers because they had to flip off every four hours, uh, switch places driving so that we could just go straight through. And we drove straight through to Philadelphia where we uh, went to the papal events, papal uh, the, the fe- Festival of Families with Pope Francis, and then, of course, the Papal Mass on Sunday, uh, and just enjoyed the whole thing, uh, enjoyed the bus ride, as as amazing as that might sound, 23 hours on a bus with 45 other people. It was really a great joy, and I think that that's part of being on pilgrimage, on having a common vision and a common purpose together, uh, and feeling that sense of unity that that is characterized uh, in the Catholic Church, you know, the Catholic meaning universal. Well, that unity extended not only to us, but even further to the other participants from all around the country, all around the world. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. I've got Dino Durando, a friend of mine. He is the Family Life Director for the Diocese of Kansas City St. Joseph on the Missouri side of Kansas City. And I actually ran into him, you know, with all the millions of people there, I actually ran into him twice. Uh, And so that's kind of a a miracle in and of itself. So we're going to talk about our experiences uh, at the papal events and uh, talk about what the implications of that are. So let's begin, as always, with prayer, with our reading in Scripture for the day and our reading from church history. Christ had compassion on the hungry and performed a miracle of love for them. Mindful of this, let us pray, show us your love, Lord. Lord, we recognize that all the favors we have received today come through your generosity. Do not let them return to you empty, but let them bear fruit. Light and salvation of all nations, protect the missionaries you have sent into the world. Enkindle them in the fire of your spirit. Grant that man may shape the world in keeping with human dignity and respond generously to the needs of our time. Healer of body and spirit, comfort the sick and be present to the dying. In your mercy, visit and refresh us. May the faithful departed be numbered among the saints, whose names are in the book of life. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, your love for us surpasses all our hopes and desires. Forgive our failings. Keep us in your peace. And lead us in the way of salvation. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Today's first reading comes from the book of Baruch, chapter 4. Fear not, my people. Remember, Israel, you were sold to the nations not for your destruction. 
It was because you angered God that you were handed over to your foes, for you provoked your maker with sacrifices to demons, to no gods. You forsook the eternal God who nourished you, and you grieved Jerusalem who fostered you. She indeed saw coming upon you the anger of God, and she said, Here, you neighbors of Zion, God has brought great mourning upon me, for I have seen the captivity that the eternal God has brought upon my sons and daughters. With joy I fostered them, but with mourning and lament I let them go. Let no one gloat over me, a widow, bereft of many, for the sins of my children I am left desolate, because they turned from the law of God. Fear not, my children, call out to God. He who brought this upon you will remember you. As your hearts have been disposed to stray from God, turn now ten times the more to seek him. For he who has brought disaster upon you will, in saving you, bring you back enduring joy. That reading comes from the book of Baruch, chapter 4. Today's responsorial psalm comes from Psalm 69. The Lord listens to the poor. See you, lowly ones, and be glad. You who seek God, may your hearts revive, for the Lord hears the poor, and his own who are in bonds he spurns not. Let the heavens and the earth praise him, the seas and whatever moves in them. The Lord listens to the poor. For God will save Zion and rebuild the cities of Judah. They shall dwell in the land and own it. The descendants of his servants shall inherit it and those who love his name shall inhabit it. The Lord listens to the poor. Today's gospel comes from the gospel of Luke chapter 10. The 72 disciples returned rejoicing and said to Jesus, Lord, even the demons are subject to us because of your name. Jesus said, I have observed Satan fall like lightning from the sky. Behold, I have given you the power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and upon the full force of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice because the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. At that very moment, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I give you praise, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for although you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to the childlike. Yes, Father, such has been your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. Turning to the disciples in private, he said, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I say to you, Many prophets and kings desired to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. That reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. Today's reading from church history comes from a treatise on Cain and Abel by St. Ambrose. Offer God a sacrifice of praise and fulfill your vows to the Most High. If you praise God, you offer your vow and you fulfill the promise you have made. So the Samaritan leper, healed by the Lord's word of command, gained greater credit than the other nine. He alone returned to Christ, praising God and giving thanks. 
Jesus said of him, There was no one to come back and thank God except this foreigner. He tells him, Stand up and go on your way, for your faith has made you whole. The Lord Jesus, in his divine wisdom, taught you about the goodness of the Father, who knows how to give good things, so that you might ask for the things that are good from goodness itself. He urges you to pray earnestly and fervently, not offering long and wearisome prayers, but praying often and with perseverance. Lengthy prayers are usually filled with empty words, while neglect of prayer results in indifference to prayer. Again, Christ urges you, when you ask for forgiveness for yourself, to be especially generous to others, so that your actions may commend your prayer. The Apostle, too, teaches you how to pray. You must avoid anger and contentiousness, so that your prayer may be serene and wholesome. He tells you also that every place is a place of prayer, though our Savior says, go into your room. But by room, you must understand not a room enclosed by walls that imprison your body, but the room that is within you, the room where you hide your thoughts, where you keep your affections. This room of prayer is always with you, wherever you are, and it is always a secret room where only God can see you. You are told to pray especially for the people, that is, for the whole body, for all its members, the family of your mother, the church. The badge of membership in this body is love for each other. If you pray only for yourself, you pray for yourself alone. If each one prays for himself, he received less from God's goodness than the one who prays on behalf of others. But as it is, because each prays for all, all are in fact praying for each one. To conclude, if you pray only for yourself, you will be praying as we said for yourself alone. But if you pray for all, all will pray for you, for you are included in all. In this way, there is a great recompense. Through the prayers of each individual, the intercession of the whole people is gained for the individual. There is here no pride, but an increase of humility and a richer harvest from prayer. That reading comes from St. Ambrose, from a treatise on Cain and Abel. And that, you know, it seems like many times we, we pray most fervently in those times where we have need of something for ourselves. Uh, sometimes we forget to pray other than meals and, and bedtime with the children and whatever else you have. It seems that we think of prayer uh, only when we're in, in dire need of something. Uh, and this is not how it's supposed to be. You know, there's a, a we, talk, we read out of a, a book by Alphonsus Liguori not too long ago called How to Converse Continually and Familiarly with God. And really, that's, that's what God desires, is this continual conversation that we do express our needs, but we also lift up those around us who are going through difficulty or who are longing and expecting uh, to, to receive something from the hand of the Lord. Uh, prayer is not just, uh, you know, God is not some cosmic Santa Claus out there just waiting to see if we've been good enough or if we've prayed the right prayers before he's going to answer us. Uh, this is not about any formula or praying the right thing. It's simply about being in conversation with God uh, about our lives and about those who are in our lives. So we pray for those who have need around us, those we pray for the whole body, 
not just for our own needs. In fact, in the, in the book of Romans, Paul says, look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. So this is kind of echoed here by St. Ambrose of saying, if you pray for everyone and other people are praying for everyone, your needs are going to be met. This is not something you need to worry about. In fact, Jesus himself says in the Gospels, he says, uh, your father knows your needs before you even ask. And so, you know, it's not like we're coming to God and saying, oh God, I have this great need that I know you're unaware of. And so let me make you aware of it so that you can, you can provide for my needs. God already knows the things that we need. He's longing, he longing for us to humble ourselves and to recognize that we need his help. So there is, uh, there is benefit in bringing those things in prayer. But I think the greater benefit, and I think St. Ambrose would agree in this treatise, the greater benefit is when we pray for the whole body when we pray for those who are having difficulty, when we pray for those who uh, maybe are experiencing the loss of a loved one or the loss of a job, or, or maybe who are just longing for a, a deeper relationship with God. And we can lift those things in prayer. You know, this is uh, one of the reasons that at the beginning of our show each week, we use the intercessions from the breviary, generally either from morning prayer or night prayer, uh, from sometime during the week, because those prayers aren't focused on ourselves alone. Yes, we do pray for a greater understanding, but those prayers are focused on praying for the whole body of Christ, the whole church, everywhere, at every time, and every place. And so by praying those prayers as we start our show each week, I'm hoping that we deepen our understanding of prayer. We maybe add to our vocabulary of prayer so that when we are by ourselves, when we are praying alone, we can lift up the whole body of Christ for the benefit of his name. Well, when we come back, we're going to be talking with Dino Durando. He's the Family Life Director for the Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph in Missouri. And I saw him a couple of times in Philadelphia uh, as we were there on pilgrimage to see Pope Francis. So we're going to be talking about our, uh, our reflections on that, on that trip. Join the conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. And stick around, there's a whole lot more. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Glad you stuck through the break. Today we're talking with a friend of mine. Dino Durando is the Director of Family Life for the Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph, on the Missouri side of Kansas City. I, I once went to a, um, I don't know if I've told you this before, Dino, but I once went to a, a, a an event in Kansas City, and the mayor of Kansas City told us, uh, I'd like to welcome you to Kansas City Missouri. If you had, when you landed today, you landed in Missouri. If you had landed in Kansas City, Kansas, you would be dead because there is no airport in Kansas City, Kansas. So just something that I found rather humorous at the time because Kansas City, Missouri, of course, is the bigger side and yet you still borrow the name. Yeah, it is funny, isn't it? (laughs) So we were recently together, um, quite by happenstance, uh, 
there in Philadelphia with Pope Francis. Now, it wasn't happenstance that we were there because Pope Francis drew people from all over the United States and even uh, some other places, some other countries and locales. And yet we weren't just together in the city like we bumped into each other uh, twice. First, uh, on our pilgrimage day where we were going around and visiting shrines, your bus was loading up while my bus was getting off at uh, the shrine of St. Rita. And uh, then I thought, well, I've seen my friend Dino. All is right with the world. And then the next day, we're waiting for the papal parade. And I, I'm sitting, I'm, what, three people back from the barrier where Pope Francis is going to come in front of. And I turn around and I look, and not 10 feet behind me, there is Dino in all of his splendor standing. I'm like, how in the world did in, in this crowd of uh, probably on that day, half a million people, how in the world am I standing feet from Dino Durando? We, I think we, on the second day, at least we have similar tastes in jumbotrons. We just found the jumbotron we liked <laughs> and we wanted to be in front of. And so there you go. We were next to each other. Just, um, yeah. I don't know. Out. God, in very strange ways sometimes and that was a very little thing for him to provide but it was certainly a grace to see you more than once yeah right under the scottish flag i think that's what would what drew me there right uh so all of my i have two shelties they're both named after failed scottish revolutionaries right i've got william wallace the wonder pup and bonnie prince charlie <laughs> so i looked up and i was under the scottish flag and then i turned around and there, and there you were well, let's talk about the little graces of, of a pilgrimage because a pilgrimage is different than just going on a vacation or going to, to sightsee. There's a, a spiritual component whereby when we leave that place, we don't just take the memories. We, we take graces away. Uh, we receive something tangible and substantial uh, when we do that kind of a trip. Uh, so we'll start with, with the good things, those little happy uh, reflections on being with that many other Catholics in the presence of our Holy Father, Pope Francis. And then we'll also talk a little bit about the protections because y'all experienced uh, quite a, uh, what could have been a very devastating thing, and yet God protected you in the midst of that pilgrimage. So we'll start at the beginning. Just tell me some of the reflections, your thoughts on being in that crowd uh, of other faithful Catholics coming together to worship. Well, there is that popular saying um, about the Catholic Church, here comes everybody. <laughs> um, and when you're at an event like that, you definitely see it because there's people from all over the world, um, all different ages. Um, it's funny, but uh, the neo-catechumenal way, um, a Catholic um, uh, lay movement um, was really well represented. They, yes. they were all wearing matching shirts and had flags that had their logos on them and everything. And I just kept running into them everywhere both days and they were all over on the lawn in the area where we were waiting for the papal parade on, uh, on Saturday. Um, and it was that kind of movement, but then you'd say, Oh, that's that group. Right. And, um, most of those folks that were near us were from, I think from Texas mm -hmm. and also some from Mexico. And then on Sunday at the papal mass, I was right behind a family from that neocatechumenal way from Italy with all their wow. little Italian kids speaking Italian to each other in the middle of the papal mass and the rest of it. Um, it just that kind of, and that's, that's a slice of it. You know, that's a particular movement with people from all over the world that is, you know, a part of the Catholic church. But that was my experience. It's just, you, you were hearing languages from everywhere. It was like being in the United Nations right. on every single block. Um, 
Yeah, on and, Sunday. And that's we, just a beautiful thing, just to see how big the Catholic Church is, but not just how big the Catholic Church is, how big God's people are. Right. Yeah, we, we pulled up alongside, what, three or four buses from Canada uh, on Sunday when we, when we arrived. And so, you know, you've got people driving from everywhere, flying in for this. And one of the things that I, I talked about with um, people who stopped us on the street was just the... The Pope is the symbol of our unity, right? He represents our unity, and yet wherever he goes, unity manifests itself. Uh, and so here we were in, in, in throngs of people uh, and very few complaints from, from anyone. You know, there was just a very joyful attitude with everyone that was around. We were very gracious with one another for the most part, right? And, and there's this sure. sense of, these people over here speaking Italian, these people over here speaking French from, from Canada, these people are my people. There's this, this sense of ownership uh, and familiarity with all these people that I have no idea who they are uh, because we're Catholic. And so we are one in that. Yeah, I mean, another expression of that was the the insane lines to get through security for the papal <laughs> mass on Sunday. Yeah, um, and you know, waiting for over three hours and still not getting in, and yet, I mean, it, it was it was blocks and blocks and blocks of walls of people. Right, and never feel the whole. I mean, I never felt the whole time any kind of anxiety or we're gonna get. You know, there's gonna be a. a, a a stampede or people are going to get hurt or fall over. And, and you saw people too, helping each other out. Um, uh, I, I helped, um, a family next to us while they were passing babies back and forth and dealing with all of that. I mean, it was just sort of like this, Oh, we're all just kind of here together. We're just big family. It's like being at a big, um, you know, big family gathering and gosh, wish we didn't have to wait in line together, but we'll make the best of it. You're a cousin, but I haven't met you. Which, Which one's your parent? Yeah. It's that whole, yeah long lost family. You know, we, uh, we struck up the conversations just flowed very easily. Everyone who was around, uh, you know, you, the line was very odd in the, the walls of people that you mentioned because nobody moved at the same pace. And so one second, a guy that was 10 people in front of you is now three people behind you. And so you have all these opportunities to talk with just vast varieties of people because you're not by the same person. At least we weren't for the whole three hours of waiting. Sure. You know, one of yeah, the, I was saying, I was saying the rosary in that big long line on Sunday, um, leading a rosary for my group. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, right next to us was, uh, some immigrants from Africa who now live in Vermont. Wow. Um, and they just joined in right with us and we prayed together and it was beautiful. You know, I mean, that just sort of, that encapsulated the day, um, perfectly of just, Hey, we're going to, we're going to be together and, yeah. and, and we'll all just join in and, and act like we already know each other for 10 years, you know? So back on Friday, uh, we, in, in our diocese, we had 46 people total. And we did three uh, shrines. We went to the Shrine of St. Rita Kasha. We went to the Shrine of St. John Newman, who is the first male United States citizen canonized as a saint. And then we yes. went to the Shrine of the Miraculous Medal. And there we had Mass. And we were planning on just having Mass for our group. Uh, but when it came time for the Mass... There were a whole bunch of other people there from Chicago, uh, all Spanish speakers, and they stayed. And so we in, we were expecting 46 people for a mass, and I think we had about 150. Uh, and sure. so, but what was amazing about it is here we are. We, we've never met one another. We don't speak the same language. And and it all worked out. You know, we, 
we did the entrance hymn. The uh, the gospel was proclaimed. Uh, our our deacon happens to be bilingual, and so he uh, announced the gospel in uh, in Spanish, and then proclaimed the gospel in English. And then during the uh, during the communion, as we were receiving, uh, we didn't have any songs planned, and so that whole community just broke out in Pan de Vida, uh, and sang that, and then uh, then sang uh, another one after that. And then at the ending, when all was said and done, the uh, the blessing at the end was in Spanish and in English. And then we sang Salve Regina in Latin all together, both communities. Mm-hmm. And so there's this sense of, oh, yeah, I, we we have the same thing. We're the same family. We know the same prayers. We're all going to do this together. I had a very similar experience to yours. Um, I won't recount every detail of it because it's really almost identical to the experience you had um, <laughs> We actually finished our day at St. John Neumann, um, where you, you did a short visit there, and yeah. we actually had Mass in the crypt where his incorrupt body is in the, in the, in the glass of the, the altar itself where the mm-hmm. Eucharistic sacrifice is offered. So it's a pretty amazing place to be, to see the, the living witness of the sanctity of this man um, you know, ringing out through the years yeah. uh, right in front of you. Um, but we had, a, you know, we had arranged it for our group. Our group was over 300 people. The crypt holds 350. Um, they, uh, we got there. A group from Des Moines was there, um, and uh, only part of their group was there. And they joined us for mass. Um, our mass was bilingual, also. Um, and there weren't really, you know, there weren't a lot of plans for what we would do during the mass for music and the same sort of thing. One of the priests in our group um, began singing songs in Spanish and we had a couple of Latin hymns as well. And it was just, it was just a beautiful thing to see. And we actually were waiting to start our mass on a priest who was teaching his group in Vietnamese because he had a group of Vietnamese folks there um, that were having a teaching down there um, about St. John Neumann um, before we could have mass. Um, and I know they had that place reserved that whole day for groups that were just taking turns, essentially offering mass one right after another. We had the same ex- ex- experience on Saturday morning. We went to St. John the Evangelist, one of the older churches run by Capuchin Franciscans in uh, downtown Philadelphia. And um, they had, I believe, eight scheduled masses on Saturday morning all the way up till 2.30 in the afternoon. Wow. And they had double masses going on up in their main church and in their crypt. Um, we ended up joining with a group um, – Actually, we, 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 we rushed on another person's mass, you know, um, right. Bishop Zubik from uh, Pittsburgh had a group um, that he met there for mass. And it was a large group um, similar to our group. Yeah. You know, th- that's something that I never experienced in, in the Protestant world. I, would, I found that identity with my state or with my, uh, my nationality or with, but, but here the, it's not about region. It's about faith. And there's this, this, undescribable unity of looking at someone Vietnamese, looking at someone Hispanic and saying, you're my brother. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about our reflections on the people visit here in Philadelphia this last week. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. We're talking with Dino Durando, the family life director for the Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph. Stick around. We'll be back right after this.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Thanks for sticking through the break. We're talking today with Dino Durando. He's the Family Life Director for the Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph. And he was a participant, along with me, last week in Philadelphia at the World Meeting of Families Papal Events, uh, where we had the Festival of Families and then the Papal Mass on Sunday, uh, being in the presence of Pope Francis. You know, I found that it was a very different experience than I was expecting uh, out of a papal visit, uh, because I, I follow Pope Francis quite a bit on the things that he says, on you know, following his transcripts, and and I found it actually much more difficult to to get to the content of what he was saying because one, he was speaking primarily in Spanish. He did some things in English, uh, and then the, the the funniest thing was uh, there was. It's apparently at one point someone wasn't expecting it. So you look up on the Jumbotron, he starts speaking in Spanish, and you look up to the Jumbotron for the translation, and it just says, parentheses, speaking Spanish. <laughs> I'm like, I got that part. Thanks. <laughs> what is he saying? Uh, and so, you know, I found it when they did have the translations, they were considerably delayed and considerably probably truncated as well to, to get everything in there. Uh, and so I, I had to shift my thinking to really dwell on the unity around us and to dwell on the fact that, oh my goodness, I'm really here, uh, mere feet from Pope Francis. You know, he drove by that night after a very much delayed papal parade that we were expecting to happen around five o'clock and it happened around seven thirty. Uh, and I was really just struck by, uh, how, how I guess how he was lighted because that at that time of night you would have expected it to be kind of just a dim view, but it was so crystal clear uh, that I felt that I could just almost touch him. It, it almost looked like HD television, which I know HD television is supposed to look like real life, but everyone knows it doesn't. But it was just so crystal clear, and and just taking that um, that change of attitude to really focus on being there and being in the midst and less on the intellectual aspect of it, which is what I would generally tend toward. Um, now, you you talked about some of what he said uh, in our break uh, at his last last papal mass at, during the homily there. I wanted you to unpack that a little bit. Oh, sure. I'd be happy to. I, mean, I, I had a similar experience during the actual event. It was very hard to follow some of the translations on the screens and so on. And my Spanish is uh, good enough to get by with, but not good enough to understand everything when it's broken anyway, um, right. because you couldn't even always hear it very well. Um, so I actually we we had a uh, we had a Monsignor on our bus on the trip back, and we had him um, in the morning once we woke up um, overnight driving. Um, we had him read Pope Francis's homily um, to us with his rather dramatic voice, um, <laughs> and let those those words really sink in. And I'd heard the words already. Um, before and heard what understood what he was what he was saying, and I was really struck by um, this theme that he brought up during his homily about um, this idea that um, little acts of love are actually the place where holiness happens, where um, where we're really being Christians, if I could say it that way. Um, and he focused especially on what that looks like in the family, of course, with that being the overall theme. If you don't mind, I want to just read a couple of these little pieces of it. Please do. So he said uh, in this section, faith opens a window to the presence and working of the Spirit. <clears throat> it shows us that 
like happiness, holiness is always tied to little gestures. And then he quotes from Mark chapter 9, the, the beautiful little phrase from Jesus, whoever gives you a cup of water in my name will not go unrewarded. Just that idea that it's really that simple in the family. If we show these little acts of love, then really love can prevail in our home. Um, and we can get through a whole lot of difficult things. Um, and he, he specified it by going through kind of a long list of all the qualifiers, you know, little signs of tenderness, um, the warm supper, um, blessings before bed, hug after a hard day's work, just things that are really kind of normal, right, in a loving family. Right. Um, but they're charged with grace. He says it like this. He says, love is shown by little things, by attention to small daily signs, which make us feel at home. Faith grows when it is lived and shaped by love. Hmm. So it's just beautiful. It's really that simple. And that's the formula that the Pope gave us. And it's the formula that the church has given us in her wisdom because it's the formula Jesus gave us. <laughs> right. Love one another as I have loved you um, all the way down to the cup of water. Well, I think that brings back to mind something we've talked about on this show before that our culture really wants us to shoehorn love into the emotional expression uh, rather than in these small gestures and the acting in love. Uh, going back to Aquinas where uh, he defined love as to will the good of another. Uh, sure. And, and, you know, we want we want the problems in our family. We want the, the strife. Uh, we want the arguments that go on. We want there to be some uh, really, sometimes some difficult step-by-step thing so that we can really work at having a strong family. Uh, and... And it really is that simple. It really is just a matter of uh, do the cup of cold water, bless the kids before bed, uh, be uh, be tender with one another. You know, Colossians three talks about that. Uh, be tender hearted toward one another. Uh, yeah, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. Right. This beautiful, yeah, beautiful passage. Um, he gave us a challenge too that was associated with this statement. It's not all just kind of fluffy, you know. Right. Uh, bless your kids and everything will be okay. Right. Uh, obviously, that's not what his message is exactly, but he gets very poignant here. And this, to me, challenged me very directly. He said, so we might ask ourselves today here at the conclusion of this meeting, how are we trying to live this way in our homes, in our societies? What kind of a world do we want to leave to our children? We cannot answer these questions alone by ourselves. It is the spirit who challenges us to respond as part of the great human family. Our common house can no longer tolerate sterile divisions. The urgent challenge of protecting our home includes the effort to bring the entire human family together in the pursuit of a sustainable and integral development for which, uh, for we know that things can change. May our children find in us models and incentives to communion, not division. Hmm. Wow. wow. It's a lot indeed. to ask, but it's really just one question. Are we going to be agents of communion with one another and our society? Are we going to lead others to unity with each other and peace? Or are we going to stick with these petty rivalries and dissension and, um, you know, hurtful politics that seems to rule in our culture so often? Mm-hmm. One of the other things he asked at the very end of that, and something that was a challenge uh, to me even, was are, are we going to be characterized you know, he asked, in your home, do you shout at one another or yes. do you speak with tenderness with one another? And, you know, as a parent of five children, myself and you uh, now, what number are you up to now, Dino? Uh, we 
We have nine children. You have nine children. So yes. uh, you're, I aspire to be you. Uh, but you know, there are these moments where we just get so frustrated and, and lose our temper and we let our voices, at least in my home, get louder than we'd want them to be normally. And, sure. uh, hopefully those times are more rare than, than the other. And yet there is that thing of, we need to strive to be, uh, self-controlled enough to speak with tenderness and calmness and thinking with the end in mind all the time, uh, and not letting, those things get the best of us and, and thinking, you know, I, I like to think of, Oh, well, yeah, of course I have a holy home. You know, I've, I've got a holy home because we, we pray every night together and we do all these things together. And, and he really brought it down to yes, but are you being self-controlled? And, and yet the Pope challenged us if that, if that's a measurement of our love, you know, do we, do we yell at each other sometimes? And when we do, um, it reveals to us something about a lack of love that we, that we have. And so we have to deal with that. Yeah, it's a, it's a real challenge. It cuts to my heart as a father, certainly. You know, I think uh, as I think about being a father and, and losing my temper and I'm, it's going to happen. Maybe some people are disposed to, to handle their personality differently. But with my personality, it's going to happen from time to time. But then the question is, when I come back to my senses, when I come back to realizing my end goal, how am I going to respond? Do I go to the kid and, and say to them, I'm sorry that I yelled at you. You know, I'm, I'm not necessarily sorry. You, you, you deserved some correction there, but I handled it poorly. Or do I just, you know, well, I'm sure I, I'm sure you deserved it. You know, there, there's a sense of not that we can't ever mess up because everyone's going to mess up, but how do we handle uh, yeah. ourselves and our children when we do mess up in those times? Well, it's a twofold call. We, we are called to, to not mess up as much, right? right? To get to be more tender all the time. And right. then when we mess up, do exactly that, to humble ourselves even before our own children and say, this is this is the right way to respond as a, as a follower of Jesus um, when we mess up and when we hurt each other. And so I want to hug you and I want to say I'm sorry and I want you to know that I, I, I that's not how I think of you. I, I love you with a, a bigger heart than that, than that anger that I express towards you. Yeah. Uh, it's the only way we can respond appropriately. Um, and I, I, it's not enough to just go uh, to confession and confess or something. It, it has right. to be something that's, you know, real in that way. But we have to reconcile not only with the church as we do through confession, but we have to reconcile with our children and with our with our spouses in that place as well. And that takes confession not only to the church, but also to them because we've wronged them. Well, we're running out of time for this segment, but what we're going to do is we're going to put all of the Pope's uh, transcripts from what he said when he was here in America. We're going to put a link to those up on our website. Uh, you can find that at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. And of course, you can find it as well at outside the we're talking today with Dino Durando, Family Life Director for the Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph in Missouri, and we're reflecting on our thoughts on the papal visit this last week, where we were together in Philadelphia with a million of our closest friends, uh, there with Pope Francis and uh, the, the wider church experiencing the unity there. We'll be right back after this break. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Thanks for sticking around. If you're just joining us, we're talking with Dino Durando. He's the Director of Family Life for the Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph. Uh, And this whole conversation is archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com. You can also get it podcast through either Podbean or through iTunes. Uh, Maybe you want to catch the rest of it. Maybe there was something you want to listen to again. Or maybe you have someone in mind that you really think needs to hear this and you want to share it with them. Well, go ahead and send them to OutsideTheWalls.com. They can find all the other options. They can find this show and every other show. uh, And it's available there for you free of charge to listen to. Dino, thanks for being on the show again today. I appreciate you taking the time and coming and talking with us. It's good to be with you and good to share with you. So we're talking about those little acts of love. We're talking about the unity that we felt uh, being there amongst so many other Catholics pursuing their faith there in the presence of the Holy Father. Uh, What I want to talk to you about now is something that happened to you on the way back. So anytime, at least in my experience, anytime that we begin to do the right thing, when we whether it be a pilgrimage, whether it be the decision now, okay, I'm going to make the decision to be more tender with my family uh, and begin responding in that way. Anytime we make that kind of decision, uh, then we face spiritual attack. Uh, and I liken it to when Jesus took the three uh, apostles, uh, Peter, James, and John, up with him to the garden when he was praying the night before his betrayal, the night of his betrayal. And he said to Peter, uh, the devil has asked that he might sift you like wheat, and I have prayed that you might stand up under it. And I feel that, that that's where we are when we resolve, I'm going to go and I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord, and I'm going to pray with, with God and be in his presence, that all of a sudden everything in the kitchen sink comes our way to try to dissuade us or to mm. knock us off that path. And speaking of being knocked off of paths, why don't you give us your story of returning uh, from Philadelphia. Uh, well, um, uh, there was an accident. It's really that simple. We were um, we were headed west on on Interstate seventy, and we passed Indianapolis. I think we were about forty miles past Indianapolis, maybe fifty miles, and kind of in the middle of nowhere. And our, our front uh, right tire of our bus exploded. Um, and we careened off the roadway. Um, I, just as, kind of as a synopsis, from I didn't, see, I I don't have memory of every detail of what happened between mm-hmm. the roadway and the cornfield stop. But um, uh, apparently there was a semi that we narrowly missed, and there the bus driver does not know why we didn't hit it. Um, and that collision would have been fatal probably for everyone on the bus. Um, then we went off of a. a an embankment um, where we were at a pretty serious uh, angle to the right, and uh, we should have rolled, and 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 probably many of us would have died in that in that case. But we didn't tip, and then we were headed straight for a very large tree. Um, my daughter was in the very front of the bus where she could see it all. Um, two of my daughters were, but one of them specifically said to me. She knew we were going to hit the tree, and she had a wave of peace pass over her, um, knowing she was about to die, that God was going to take care of her. Um, and um, then we didn't hit the tree. We only hit some of the branches. We missed the tree by about 
half a foot at the most, hmm. maybe less. Um, the front of that, the, the branches of the tree took out the whole front of the, of the bus, um, destroyed all of the glass and, and took out the, the, the side of the bus where the, the stairs are, mm-hmm. um, just destroyed it all. Um, miraculously after those three things that happened, there had to have been some hand guiding the bus. The bus driver didn't have control of the bus once it left the roadway. He just, there was no, there was nothing he could do with the wheel or the brakes. Right. Um, he says that he doesn't know why we didn't go over and why we didn't hit the tree. Yeah. Um, I know why. I think you know why. I think a lot of listeners would know why. Because the guardian angels pushed the bus. It kept it upright, pushed it uh, out of the way of the tree. And we came to a nice, I mean, considering everything, a nice gentle stop in the cornfield. Um, And um, nobody was severely thrown. A few people were a little bit. Um, Of course, we all um, had a few bumps and bruises. Um, in, In all, four people went to the hospital. Um, three on the scene and one a little bit later. Um, the three on the scene were released a couple of hours later, and then the other one was actually a a, a mother of a, a six and a half month old child uh, in her womb, and they monitored her pretty long, and then she flew back. Okay. So the rest of us got on another bus a few hours later. There was one thing that you mentioned earlier when we talked about this about uh, the the mask kit that happened to be on the <laughs> bus and what y'all did with that. Well, it's the only thing we were able to get off of the bus because um, the state patrol didn't want anything extra coming out. Um, but I, they let me grab it out, and I, I grabbed a mask kit that we had in a plastic bin that we had for if we had to have any traveling masses mm-hmm. uh, during the trip. And we had um, a Monsignor with us on the bus. Also, there was a priest in the bus that was traveling with us that was not didn't have an accident but that was traveling behind us. And they can celebrate mass at the diner about two miles from where the accident happened. Um, once we got everyone safely there, we just thought we want to say thank you to God. And we haven't had mass yet today. So why don't we do that? Why don't we do that? And God protects us. Uh, I think when we, when we seek after him, you know, the, the whole thing of you will seek me, you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. And yes, we're going to get attacked. We're going to have, uh, difficult things happen to us, even when we're doing the right thing. And yet in the midst of that is the hand of God and the protection of God. Uh, and so don't let the, the, the things that are difficult dissuade you from pursuing God. Well, that's all the time we have for this show, but there's much more to the interview with Dino Durando, Family Life Director for the Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph. That interview continued, and you can find the exclusive internet content over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Why don't you join the conversation throughout the week over at Facebook.com slash StepOutsideTheWalls. On Twitter, the handle is at OutsideTheWalls. Lots, lots more to come. Join us each week for more amazing content. Well, until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.
Welcome to a special edition of Outside the Walls. This is uh, internet-only stuff. You can't hear this on the radio. Uh, we're gonna we're talking with Dino Durando, Family Life Director of the Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph. And of course, uh, I know that you've already listened to the show uh, because that's the first thing that you're going to do. You listened to the show and you heard uh, his reflections on the papal visit, and you heard about the accident. And we wanted to talk a little bit more about the bus accident. Uh, and just as a bit of uh, interesting trivia, just as we were deciding to do this little uh, extra, uh, you found something that uh, that has some significance. Why don't you talk to us about that and then uh, just express your thoughts on what the implications of the accident are to you? Well, sure. Um, I was just sitting here and my computer was actually out while the accident happened. Um, I was doing work, uh, of course. Um, and... Uh, and I slammed my laptop shut. I was halfway back in the bus. A little piece of glass I just noticed actually was right on the edge of the one of the nooks and crannies in my computer here from the window of the bus. Hmm. Um, just as I was thinking about how do you respond to something like this? Um, I thought that was an interesting little piece of providence. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, I, I think our response to an accident like this and our surviving it um, is actually quite simple as Christians. Um, it's a clear sign that God isn't through with us. He has something else for us to do. Mm-hmm. So for me, I mean, if I could share any piece of good news with other people who have heard the message that the Pope delivered during his visit, um, the many messages, but um, especially that one about family life and about um, exercising um, real real love and tenderness in our homes, um, is just this idea that um, the only answer we really have to tragedy is the cross, but it's also the same answer to deliverance from suffering um, or from death. And that is um, God has something in plan that he has, that he's planned for us, that whatever it is, um, we have to figure out what that is and we have to devote ourselves to it wholeheartedly. Um, And it it must be something important. Um, My daughter, who was right in the very, very front of the bus uh, with no real injuries, um, except glass in her hair um, and some corn stalks on her lap. Um, she, she'll have trauma from this, I'm sure. Um, but when she was two weeks old, she was saved. Yeah. She should have died then. Yeah. And it was, it was a miracle that happened to her then. I've known, and we tell all of our kids, um, God has something very specific in store for you. And if you are brave enough and courageous enough to follow him, um, he's going to do amazing things through your life. And all you have to do is love and make yourself more humble. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think of the piece of glass there uh, in your laptop and we get to these places where we, um, we have great revelations where we see things more clearly. And yet then we, we go about our days and things get back into the norm. And, and sometimes these, these things can get lost. These great revelations can get lost. And I think about, in the Old Testament, where they would erect altars, uh, the, the Ebenezer, the hither, you know, the, uh-huh. 
here by by God's grace I've come this far and will go forth from here and so that's a, a thing that we see in the Old Testament that's a thing that I've seen some other people I, I highly respect do is they'll they'll take things from traumatic moments in their life or, or or at least dramatic moments in their life by way of reminder so that when they look at that uh, shard of glass for one person I know they had um, the the mask the CPR mask that the e- EMS used on them uh, and every time that they look at that they remember oh God saved me and it brings them back into that proper mindset. Yeah. It brings us back. So I encourage you to continue. I encourage you listening to continue to collect those things at those moments, those high water moments in your life to help you remember the providence of God. There's a poem by a man by the name of Rene Dumas that I've just loved for a very long time. And he says this, You cannot stay on the summit forever. You have to come down again. So why bother in the first place? Just this. What is above knows what is below. But what is below does not know what is above. One climbs, one sees. One descends, one sees no longer, but one has seen. There is an art of conducting oneself in the lower regions by the memory of what one saw higher up. When one can no longer see, one can at least still know. And that, to me, encapsulates the whole idea of, of carrying those mementos, like your shard of glass, uh, sure. of going on a pilgrimage, of well, what's the purpose of even going if, it's, if you're just coming back again? Because when one can no longer see, one can at least still know. And we carry those things with us through the rest of our lives. The thing that will carry me through, the thing I saw that I will not forget, um, is, I mean, sure, the accident, but um, was a clarity about how Pope Francis is a father. Yeah. I mean, that's why people love him. That's why that's why people who aren't even Catholic love him so much. Uh, there's a Methodist minister whose wife is a Catholic uh, that was on our tour and on our bus, and I had a number of wonderful conversations with him. Um, and I'm, it's easy for me to get along with him because I used to be a Methodist. Right. Um, and uh, he said it very well. He said, yes, he's a father to me as well. And that that's really it. He reveals God the Father's love. That's what Pope Francis does. He does that. That's what he leads with. That's always what he leads with. The mm-hmm. rest of his message is a following from that, um, a revelation of the Father's love. And so we saw that in our accident and we were delivered. And that's an expression of the Father's love. But how are we going to see expressions of the Father's love? the rest of the time when it's not so dramatic, right. um, we have to keep our eyes open and we have to remember what we've seen. Well, Dino, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for this opportunity and, uh, and God bless your listeners. We've been talking to Dino Durando, family life director of the diocese of Kansas city, St. Joseph about his reflections about visiting the papal mass, taking a pilgrimage there along with uh, a million of our closest friends. I hope you've enjoyed this exclusive internet content available on OutsideTheWalls.com and on Podbean and iTunes. Uh, You can find out more information about the show by going to OutsideTheWalls.com, seeing the many stations that we air on and tuning in each week for excellent interviews from around the Catholic world. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam.